Hello and welcome to episode number 10 of the Emerald Conversations. I'm Jer Sweeney and this series comprises a number of interviews that I have conducted for my website emeraldconnection.net and some earlier works. The interviews are with people who were involved with music, the arts, entertainment, community, business and in some cases politics in Ireland or within Irish communities across the world. Now, this episode is slightly different to the others in the series, as it is the first part of a documentary that I produced with the late Brendan Boyer. Brendan was a native of Waterford, but moved to Limerick when he was two and remained in the city until he was a teenager. Limerick has always been one of his homes in Ireland, and he was very proud to be associated with it. Over the course of a wet day in February of 2009, I walked the streets of Limerick with Brendan, reliving his memories of neighbours, friends, his homes, his time at the model school, returning to Limerick with the Royal Show Band and much more. Along the way, we met some of those friends and the memories flowed. Although born in Waterford in October of 1938, Brendan Boyer is always linked with Limerick. His family moved here when he was two and thus began the relationship. Before he was Brendan Boyer, the lead singer with the Royal Showband, he was Brendan Boyer, the resident of Alexandra Terrace and Clearview Terrace. He was Brendan Boyer, the pupil at the model school. He was Brendan Boyer, the member of the Redemptorist Choir, and Brendan Boyer, the childhood friend of so many Limerick people. He has never lost his Limerick links and connections, and has certainly never lost the pride he feels in being a part of this great city. I recently walked through Limerick with Brendan and asked him and other well-known Limerick people about his time here and his memories. As we strolled in the rain, he told me his story, the story of Boyer's Limerick. I I know that this house, I think my mother and father rented this house for, for six years. We were about 1940 to 1946. And actually, my sister Olive was born at, at this location. So we're kind of very central here as well for my father. He was teaching in the college at the Redemptorist and, of course, playing choir master in the Redemptorist church and model school across the road. So, I mean, couldn't have been more convenient. I remember, like, it had to be the early 40s again, where the coach and the horses and um, dressed up bugles and blowing, um, coming in from Adair. So that was an early memory. I remember just sitting out in the garden and just lovely there. Talk about having no traffic. I remember one Christmas, there was an older lad in the model. When I say older, a couple, two years maybe, Christy Ryan. He lived out in Ballinacurra somewhere. But he created a slide here on the, at, with the cross. And we had a slide all the way down O'Connell Avenue there, down from here down to Wolf Tone Street down there. Can you imagine trying to slide down the road there the guy. Um, Michael Megan used to live here on the left I remember occasionally he brought me on the bar of his bicycle out to Corbally where we were go swimming in those in the summertime and around the round of the back Pascal Costello and all the Costellos there I mean my mother father was an auctioneer I remember but Alephonsus Terrace where a lot of those were my neighbours well the Bradens the Harringtons down around the corner the Chaloux and the Coors and across from Clareview Terrace and up around the corner, Jim Bradshaw, who, whom I was later to meet in, in Waterford. The Duvois were here. 
um, at the upper part of um, he was an airline pirate, Peter and Tannis and Denise Devoy. They lived at the top of the street here. And of course, the Technical Institute is right here where um, my father. I remember going to see the Student Prince, I think, with Nancy O'Carroll. A few of the boys from the model further down O'Connell Avenue here, John Larkin as well. And the Frawleys had a chemist around, not John and Brendan Frawleys, but um, there was a Frawleys chemist down there on the corner where the lights are now. Talk to me in terms of Angela's ashes. You were saying before that Malachi used to say to you. Well, my daughter Clodagh is in New York, but Malachi said in later years to Clodagh, my gosh, even though we were only a few feet nearly apart, that could have been Beverly Hills, he says, compared to where we were. You know. And you say as well that you remember some of the characters from um, Angela's ashes. I do, yeah. Um, guard Dennehy, they mentioned. Like, he was a tough guard, evidently, that came. But his son was in the model school in my class as well, Jack Dennehy, so... I remember, and I remember Hoppy O'Halloran, who was the principal in Leamy's. He used to live somewhere up the South Circular Road here by the past the Redemptorist, and he was always a very friendly man. We, he would passing down, we would be playing ball on the street or in the in the father's yard, wherever you know. And so um, that's that was. There were two of the main characters I remember. There are many stories about Brendan Boyer and his time in Limerick before and after he became famous, like this one from Cormac Liddy. We decided we'd have a quiet chat in a rather remote area of Limerick in a bar that very few of our friends would frequent. We had a long session, but not drinking all the time. It was reminiscing and talking away, but eventually somebody suggested to Brendan that he might like to sing a song. And there was a lady sitting in the corner whom we both agreed would not be able to open her mouth. But she stood up and sang that wonderful song, Catherine, Catherine. And Brendan turned to me and he said, how do I follow that? <laughs> and, I, and I said, one of the boys. What do you mean? So said, Danny or Crappy? I said. <laughs> Which one was it? I don't know. We, I, think we, I think we ran for it. <laughs> Good men and true in this house would well Stranger book of I pray you tell Is the priest at home Or may he be seen I would speak a word With Father Green The priest at home boy As we leave the crappy boy And Cormac's story our next visit was to the model school, where Brendan was met by the school's vice principal, Marian Vellelli, who knew a lot about their famous past pupil and his schoolboy days. So you would have started in the infant school, and Brendan remembers his first day. I do. You came in the gate at the front. Of uh, the at the top. I remember mother crying at the gate. I think it was Mrs McNamara, and it was a Mrs O'Malley by the time we got to first. When you graduated to the boys' school, you had done three years in infant school and we have you on roll the first day of uh, Scunlamookalee in 1946. We had a book published the year the school was amalgamated and reopened after the fire because oh. we had a fire in 1977. Hey, so that's Frank Kwan. I do remember because there was a there's a big one taken in the handball alley. Michael Toohey had entered us for the fish. In, it was in Kilfinnan and we came back and had a photo. We won the fish and that's the Humphrey Connolly fella. O.D., Eugene O.D. and um, this O'Halloran. 
Pascal Coslo, um, this Jerry Redden, Nocton, Sherry, or Mac Sherry, I'm not sure. Gosh, I'm looking for the Frawley brothers. Sherry, yeah, Fitzgibbon, Martin, Spillane, Ernest. That's Jack Dennehy. He was Gar Dennehy from Angela's Ashes. All right. All right. That's his son. McDonough, Kennedy, Hall and Prendergast. Pat Coslow in the end, yeah. Your teacher who brought you to the fish was... Michael Toohey. One of his granddaughters is principal over in the Colossia, the Laurel Hill Colossia, the All-Irish School, and her children are here. There's one of them in junior infants and one in second, and the Toohey's would have the history of dancing and keol and fishing, mm-hmm. and it still continues in Limerick. There would be the O'Rourke School of Dancing. Now, your dad is on the school register as a keol tour. What did he mm-hmm. play or what instrument, or was he in a band? He was, um, he was a professor of music. He, he, he actually was the choir master in the Redemptorist, oh, and he, he taught in the college. And um, he did the Savoy every Sunday because there was no movies or pictures on a Sunday in the 40s, you know, in those right, days. So in Lent, for that matter, yes. yes. And tell us, when you left, you must have left in fourth class, according to our register. I think it was After fourth. fourth. Uh, maybe I thought it was fifth. It was yeah, fifth. Gilburn, I think, was... Oh, Mr. Gilburn yeah. became principal, yes. Did he? Yeah. Yes. He was principal until 1975. Uh, was it Mr. D.C.? I don't know what his first name. He, he was the headmaster, I think, when I was here. D.C. He lived on, in, the, kind of in the front there. Brendan is very much associated with the choir at the Redemptorist Church. Another famous Limerick man, Tommy Drennan, is also a past member of the choir. Tommy, Brendan and Father Egan chatted among themselves about Tommy and Brendan's time singing from on high at the Father's. I should mention while Tommy is there, Tommy came in and he took over as the lead boy. Because I should mention Noel too, he... I went through... That's right, I remember. I was in the lower ranks here in the <laughs> altos, there was Noel Mulcahy... Yes, I remember Noel. Um, Noel Tuhi, Paddy Ring, Paddy Ring, whom you said... Um, That's right. Paddy became one of the, princi- the principal tenors in, yeah. uh, with RTE. And Pat Rowlands from Hassis Cross. Mm. With the likes of Vincent O'Connor and Eugene O'Connor in, in, it in those years. The O'Connors? Eugene, yeah. They're still in it. Oh, I mean, still, yeah. Still yeah. Eugene is, yeah. And Vincent. And Eugene sings all Holy Night every That's right, Christmas he does, yeah. He does indeed, beautiful. I remember... You see the, the, the actual timber section on top of the, the railing you have here? Uh, they've raised the floor here, because when, when I was here as a kid now, there was a water box, <laughs> and we couldn't see out over the top of the Yogi. And the, we used to have to stand in the water box to yeah. sing. <laughs> we were facing this way, but it seemed there was more room. Maybe the, uh, yeah. I honestly can't remember how many there would have been, you know? But uh, there's about forty in it now, and it's, that's about its maximum number that could yeah. be up here. Yeah, yeah. So. It's still, it's still a lovely, great choir. Yeah. Well, it's just it's been revived since the summer. We um, we made an effort to uh, got a new director in full time. He's a full time music director here now. Mm-hmm. We invited new members, and there was huge interest. We thought nobody would be interested, but about twenty new people joined uh, since the summer. So, which is great. Isn't that my, lovely, actually, yeah. my father Stanley was full time because he, he taught in the seminary that's as right. well. A number of our men in the community remembered your dad. When I said you were coming up, they remembered your dad teaching in the in the juvenile across the yeah. way in St. Clements. Mm. Uh, and they remembered him well. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, Brendan O'Boyle was the organist yeah. when I was here. Um, he was from County Clare, Milton Malbay, I think. There was a, a lady who used to look after all the surpluses and sutens mm-hmm. down the street. 
And I can remember the lady. Again, her name is gone yes, from my but I can remember yeah. as a kid coming here and uh, that lady was there. Yes, she was responsible yes, for all yes, the, yes. the garments. And she had a little room. The room is still that's there right. in the back where she used to keep all her sewing gear that's and all right. that kind of that's stuff. That's right. Yeah. She was wonderful, yeah. She was indeed. What were your, what were your thoughts as you came up the stairs? I'm, I, I'm, I, we came up this side. A different side? Yeah, we came really? up for some reason. Is there any way up that side now? The, uh, no? No, it's where... There is a gate that goes down that side, but mm-hmm. it's been a long, long time since that was exactly, ever opened. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed the stations are the same. Oh, yeah. yeah. Is there any one now. performance that you would have done with the choir that stands out in your mind? Well, I, I was an alto, you know. I didn't. Yeah. I wasn't like Tommy. I wasn't out to the fore. <laughs> <laughs> My father kept me down. <laughs> I, I didn't listen to him for years. Only in later, recent years I try and sing from the diaphragm at all <laughs> you say what's that man singing two tones too high all the time and he says I said that's, that's for rock and roll I said I, I have to screech <laughs> um, I remember um, we, we left about 1950 and then Tommy came in Tommy that's is right, right that's right um, I came in 1951 actually was it? and uh it was in 19, uh, I was 10 at the time. Yeah. Yes. I was asking, as you said, you did Holy Night on the altar. Not I in did. The, yeah. That's right. Every year we used to have a, a recital on the altar here. Mm-hmm. And Father Tarney um, had a, a reel-to-reel tape recorder, mm-hmm. a Grundig tape recorder. Well, yeah. remember big the name. deal in those oh, days. Oh, big deal. Yeah. But uh, we recorded all, at least he did. He didn't show me now. We just sang away. But that, that's what it was. And Father Tarney gave me the copy of it. Of the what we recorded, and I had it at home. And one night in in the 1970, I think it was, we were coming home from a gig, and uh, there was a jazz singer on who had been singing as a kid and then as an adult, and they were actually playing both. You see, doing his jazzy kind of thing, like Michael Jackson type of thing. And I said it to the lads that uh, we could do something like that, but but would be a, a hymn. As I said, you know, and they were all, we were all sent, jeez, how would that happen, you know? We were doing a gig the following week out in Castle Connell, I always remember, and Ray Herity had microphones, and before the gig, he stuck up the microphones, and in the middle of July, and we did the second verse of Holy Night, and then Ray brought the two tapes to Dublin, to EMI. They heard it, they thought it was a great idea. Just, I mean, it's wonderful. It shows how good your voice was. That because the standard of recording, I mean, you still came out lovely on it, and just from a, a tape. Oh yeah, it was just a tape we did I, out there. I was actually thinking, looking the other day, I was doing something, and I was going back over something we had done, and then mm. we were shoving in a fiddle. And, oh yeah, and, nice. know, and I said, my gosh, like people like Joseph Locke and that. Right. They, they just went in and sang with an orchestra, and bang, that was it. One that's it. it. was, and that's what you did with Holy Night. We were very fortunate because before we left the Fathers, we met another great Limerick musician, Tommy Cantillon. Tommy would be well remembered as a member of the Parkway Orchestra, and he recounted fond memories of playing under Brendan's dad, Stanley Boyer. 
I had the privilege of playing under your dad you know, in Freshwood in County Kilkenny in the um, the Yeoman of the Guard. Coopler Blaine O'Hennanish. Yeah. There was a great man there. He was he wrote a lot of church music. Fintan O'Carroll. He was the leader of the orchestra and his dad was the conductor. I did many operators down there. Are you starting a band? I, I, I'm interested in doing a <laughs> I'm finishing one at the moment. Actually. <laughs> I was a Mozart fanatic. I was a good alto saxophone player, inadvertently. I was doing it to make a bob. We used to do the Stella, you know, the, we, yeah. were, we were the little band doing yeah. the interval. Yes. But the very minute I would be gone, I would be running up to the board by a band, maybe practising their freishes, the overture, clarinet. So I was in the dance band business, but my heart was never in it. But they play here still regularly then, the board boys play oh, here. Go on, yeah. Actually, I remember going when I went back to Waterford, there's a place called the Yellow Road, and I said, gosh, I said, that must be Boerbois. It reminded me of the what they call it, the yellow, there must be... Yeah. The old orbs intact, so they're ang- more anglicised down yeah. there, I think. Wizard of Oz, Father, <laughs> the Yellow Brick Road. Bless this house, O Lord, we pray, make it safe by night and day. Bless the last address Brendan called home in Limerick was Clareview Terrace, so we took the short walk from the Redemptorists to have another look and remember his time there. Um, I remember leaving Alexandra Terrace to come down here. I think uh, Alexandra Terrace had to be a rental, so this was therefore taken over the house completely as our own. And uh, we took lodgers, and especially Shannon, after the war, we got a lot of Americans. I think I mentioned this as well. In particular, Tommy Campobasso had a, a private plane out in Kuna which was amazing. We had a lodger with an airplane. Nobody even had a bicycle. <laughs> but he brought myself and Bud Braden up for a, a spin from Kuna, and we went over the Father's Church and over St. John's. We had to see the highest steeples, and that was amazing to look down on them. But um, I remember the Hanrahans were next door here in Five, and I think it was the Tories. They were Americans as well. They, they, were, they, um, they came here after World War Two. I suppose with Shannon, the Americans had a lot of personnel out there. The Chaloux's, actually, I just discovered today that's at Alphonse's Villas at the top of the terrace there. Uh, Clareview Terrace doesn't start until number one, three houses down. But Fergus, Niall, Brian and Anne Chaloux all lived up there. They're originally from Kilrush, but at this side of the street, apart from the cores, (laughs) I remember Josephine Scanlon, the famous soprano, and she married Chris Kern afterwards. She used to come to my father for, for music lesson. She was around the corner in, is it Gerald Street? Gerald Street. Yeah. And, um, and, and the Haydens lived around the corner. There were two lads. They were in the model as well. Whelan's was the shop we used to go to for milk and, uh, and bread. This was wasn't much more we were getting in the, and porridge. Joe Hickey lived farther on down there. I remember a sad incident of a, a young kid, I remember his name, he was about three years of age, being knocked down and killed by a lorry. Um, we're talking about the late 40s here, his name would have been Alan, and I think he had, they used to call him Little Wagger Alan, and he was killed, it was very sad, we were all... You know, there, weren't, there wasn't much traffic around, but a lorry maybe coming up from the flour mills or somewhere, I think it was. That's so sad at the time, my gosh. Jack Donovan down in Clontarf Place was a great hurler and uh, Joe Hickey a little bit further down was a good pal we used to, you know, there's nothing for us. 
I remember with the Bradens here, we'd cycle to fines and do things like that. So, I mean, it's not that big a distance, but it was, you know, we were, we'd, we'd exercise more unintentionally. <laughs> singing I Ran All The Way Home we bring the first part of Boyer's Limerick to a close and this the 10th edition of the Emerald Conversations part 2 of Boyer's Limerick can be heard in episode 11 if you enjoyed it please subscribe for more episodes as they are released and please feel free to share and appreciate it until next time from me Jerry Sweeney bye bye